I had a great time. I don't know how yeah, you I felt know. about it, but who needs Patrick? Oh wait, we're still recording. <laughs> who needs Patrick? <laughs> Just kidding, Patrick. Patrick, we love you mostly. Mostly. You're listening to the John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean American adoptees, diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome back to the John Chi Show. It is I, Patrick, one of your hosts, here with Nathan and KJ, two of your other hosts. Just we, KJ. Hola. We are global. We're a global podcast. Check out our transistor stats. Actually, don't, because that means you've hacked our system. That means you've hacked our system. Don't be a mean person. I should have said me llamo. Scott, me llamo, Nathan. There you go. Forgetting all my Spanish. It was a good correction. Thank you. Anyways, um, <laughs> we are back for another episode, um, episode 32. First off, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone uh, who listened to the last episode um, and reached out afterwards. It means a lot to me. It meant a lot to, to Nathan and KJ, too, I believe. How dare um, you speak for me? I know. I just I said, that's why I said believe. I put the, I put the caveat at the end No, there. it's fine. You can speak for me. Uh, meant a lot to the show. So I just, yeah, that, that was great. But we're back to, we're back to business as normal for now um so nathan why don't you tell everybody what john chi means john chi i was just explaining this to somebody else recently um it is not spelled like the name john and chi (laughs) it is j-a-n-c-h-i but you probably know that because you're looking at it on your your thing but john chi is about feasting and celebrating our korean heritage um, because we are three Korean American adoptees, and uh, we are diving into what it means to be Korean. Nay, hey. having some food. We have a really great show for you today. Um, Amy Finnegan is here, uh, host of the Monolith Diaries, and um, I think it's pretty great. I actually don't know because I wasn't there. So, <laughs> and that's you dare you, Patrick, Patrick? Lead into this. Jeez. Spoiler alert! <laughs> Spoiler alert for the interview: Patrick isn't there. But before we get to that, just wanted to to check in today. I know we were going to talk about something, uh, and I think it had to do with names. Um, nope. No? We're talking about the flag. Well, we're talking about the flag for this one. All right. Um, but before, before we get to the interview. Before we the interview. Yeah. I got you, bro. I got you. I'm a professional now. I mean, amateur. Um, Semi-pro. This is, this is Yahoo Patrick. This oh, is uh, Patrick this is Armstrong game. of Yahoo News fame. Yes, you may have follow-up. seen Patrick Armstrong in such <laughs> oh, news sources okay. as Yahoo News. <laughs> also, Post, now I know what's going to be at the beginning uh, of the episode. Clubhouse. <laughs> Clubhouse. Oh, you guys. Um, Instagram right. Live. <laughs> uh, but before we get to the Zanga. interview, um, wanted to have a little conversation about the Korean flag. I think on a previous episode, we talked about how Nathan very kindly bought us a bunch of stuff um, and sent it to us as a surprise. And one of the things in that box was this book about Korean culture, the Korean culture dictionary for our listeners who cannot see what I'm doing. I'm holding the book up. And don't worry, Um, it is written by a Korean. And it (laughs) is written by a Korean, Wusung Kang. It's been really interesting to dive into. And one of the very first things they talk about is the flag. And I know KJ brought it up and really had some things that had some thoughts about it. So KJ, I'm excited to hear what you think about what you learned from the Korean culture dictionary. 
about the flag. I like that you looked down. You're like from the. Uh, <laughs> I forgot the name. <laughs> you like reads teleprompter. What are we talking about? So how, uh, how do, you, do you know how to, Does it talk about how you pronounce the Korean flag? Like what it's actually called? Yeah. Um, it's pronounced Teguki. 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 Yeah. Teguki. Yep. Um, what's all soft? I mean, there is technically a K that's written, but it's basically all soft G sounds. Teguki. Um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Um, you know, a lot of the the books that I've been reading, I, I recently read uh, One My Name Was Kyoko and Pachinko, which both um, talk about uh, Korea during the Japanese occupation. Um, so I'm always kind of fascinated about the Korean history and, and because South Korea as a nation is so young, you know, and, and just kind of thinking about forming that. Um, but I think the thing that was fascinating for me was... Um, when so it references the Joseon U.S. Treaty of 1882, and they were like the Joseon Dynasty, which is the one that was the last dynasty before um, the wars and occupations and all that stuff. Um, back when Korea was still unified and like uh, you know all that stuff. So, anyways, um, they didn't have a flag, and I was like, oh, interesting. And so that was where that came from. So there is this. There's this uh, standard uh, for the dynasty that has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight uh, trigrams. Um, that's the three line uh, markings around kind of inverted circles. So uh, from a really early standpoint, um, you know, that the the trigram symbols were important. The yin yang in the middle is important. I learned at some point in my life about like the yin yang and, and the, the four uh, icons around it. Um, being like just it all representing balance. I think the thing that, that really stuck out to me was um, that red was the positive forces of the universe and blue is the negative forces of the universe just because in the West, uh, red is often associated with negative stuff because the devil <laughs> and um, stop and, and all of that stuff. But in the East, red, uh, at least in what I understand of um, East Asian cultures, um, red is a symbol of like prosperity and wealth and positivity and uh, power i don't know so it's just a, an interesting thing so yeah i thought that was really cool and then they also talked briefly about the uh north korean flag as well called the ingongi meaning the the flag of the people's republic so yeah yeah i thought one of the things that i found most interesting was just the evolution of it i think you touched on it a little bit but just how it changed from 1882 hey, talk in to that Oh, am I talking away from it? <laughs> well, I'm, my waveform, I'm coming in really hot, so I was trying to back, back off a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that it was really interesting the way it evolved from the front, uh, from 1882 up to what is currently present. And, yeah, I thought I, what I really resonated with was all the all the meanings behind the symbols. I think every time growing up looking at it, it's like, oh, that's interesting. But it's like, I don't know what those things mean. Even like yin yang, like not under real, not really understanding what that was for a long time. Um, but oh, really? Yeah. And like not real, like not really understanding it. I don't think I think I always kind of got like the positive negative aspect of it. But thinking about why that's important, uh, especially thinking about the history of Korea specifically as a country torn apart by war and by a lot of really bad stuff. And thinking about how this flag can have so much meaning, you know, and that's, I think, what really stuck with me is how it just changed over time and how I feel like what I've learned about Korean culture 
it's a lot of internalizing, but in a good way, I think. It's nationalism in a, in a good way in some respects, and sometimes it cannot be so good. But uh, I think I like that. I like the symbolism behind that specifically uh, before having known about all the symbols. But knowing the history gives it a little bit more personal touch, I guess. I really like, like you said, the yin and the yang part of it. If you guys noticed, our logo is very similar to the yin yang. Um, yeah. Of the Korean flag, reminiscent of the Taeguki. reminiscent. It's it's you know, Say yeah. It, Nathan. <laughs> it has the red on top, the blue on bottom. <laughs> but um, yeah, the yin yang and the, the other symbols, or like you said, kind of just opposites in a way. But they are together. You know, east west, north south. Was it was a moon, earth, heaven, sun, all that stuff. I think so. And sky and sun. Sky yeah. sun. Okay. But yeah, it's just it is is very united. I, I really like that about that flag. It has just so much more meaning. I think not that I I don't love the American flag. I I, I do because it has meaning too. You know, thirteen colonies and all that stuff. But um, but this one seems to have just more deeper like spiritual meaning to it. I think yeah, it's really rooted. You know, yeah. I, I think that that's like yeah, like rooted in earth and and rooted in like that blend of. Um, earth and sky you know there is a sense of like heavenly bodies and like kind of the, that celestial greater cosmos thing that i think is really beautiful sorry what well and it talks about balance too and, mm-hmm. and i think it speaks to how it's balanced across like the actual symbols itself and how each of the different gosh what are the things? trigrams the trigrams yeah anyways uh just talking about balance and how because of how much tumult uh, the country has faced like how important balance is and seeing here that the white representing Korean mind, uh, I think having learned more about Han and how that is such a powerful and deep concept in Korean culture, uh, thinking about the flag and the, and what it means about balance and how it connects to everyone in Korea, you know, how you can have such strong emotion or feeling or a collective sense of lost identity, um, you know, that we experience as adoptees and particularly being from Korea, you know, we carry that uh, generationally, like within ourselves, in our DNA. So it makes a lot of sense. And it makes sense to for the flag itself, for there to be like a tangible symbol that you can look at and feel that sense of, of something. So even like as a kid thinking about it, like not thinking of it as probably still eliciting some sort of emotion or reaction, even at that time. I think the thing that always struck me was like, the, the four trigrams, like, are so striking and bold and strong and uh, rooted and knowing that they are, you know, whether it's uh, directions or um, celestial bodies or, um, you know, whatever, um, sun, sky, moon, land, um, that kind of thing. Like, yeah, that they are they are striking and they're strong and they are, um, you know, I mean, even, even thinking about... Uh, Korea being a, a mountainous region, you know, like I know even when I go to a place with the mountains, how rooted and safe and secure I feel when I see those on the horizon. I know that not everybody feels that way about mountains, but for me, it's it's nice to, you know, when I see those. But then there's such a beautiful kind of flowy um, thing in in the, the yin and yang, uh, you know, in the middle of that. And so there is like this... I think even just from my interpretation of it, kind of a masculine and a feminine energy and that like the whole flag would be off balance if any one of those things was missing, you know, um, that it is like every part needs that, you know, like it, it just, it's not the flag without if something is missing. And so I, yeah, as I've always found this, um, 
this comfort looking at it, you know, in that it is strong and graceful and beautiful and, you know, like powerful and all of those things and really calming and rooting. So yeah, it's been, um, it has been a point of pride for me for most of my life. Um, so it's, uh, it's nice knowing some further history about it. Comforting is a good word to describe. I like that. I would agree with that. Yeah. And like you said, without, you know, the four trigrams, there's things wouldn't work together. Um, you know, how it, it goes through all these different meanings of celestial body, seasons, uh, directions, uh, virtues, family, natural elements, and meanings. So, again, like the seasons, there wouldn't, there's four seasons. So, you know, spring, autumn, winter, summer, there's four directions east, south, north, west. There's um, the uh, heaven, fire, water, earth. The, the meaning is an interesting one, too. I, I like the meaning and the virtue ones. Those are, those, I need to look into that a little more, but the meaning, uh, justice, fruition, wisdom, and vitality. Uh, I want to I wanna look into that a little bit more. I, th- I think that's kind of cool to, to see that they've put so much thought into it. I think it's interesting too, like the book talks about, um, I know that you're reading from the internet for kind of some extended readings, but the book <laughs> Thanks, talks about- spoiler alert. Um, the, <laughs> out, out me right there. Dude, it's a both and, okay? This is the balance. Yeah, that's okay, true. This is, this oh. is, Nathan, you may not remember, uh, but but when we were younger, there's a thing called books. And, uh, oh, yeah. okay, we weren't, hey. we didn't all have the internet, even though I've had it my entire life. Yeah, you I know, know, we had encyclopedias. Uh, <laughs> if, if I wasn't reading from the internet, I would be reading this to you from an encyclopedia. From a tome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, anyways, so, so my book says the white, it says Korean minds, the bright white color represents national characteristic of loving brightness, purity, and peace. Um, but I also know, uh, for some East Asian cultures, and I don't know if this is true in Korea, but, um, that white can also be death. And so for as much as, um, like it is brightness and purity and peace, it is also death. And that there is again, kind of some balance in the extended cultural meaning of that. And I'm, I'm really curious, uh, because, I guess white is really important to Korean people. And so foreigners uh, nicknamed them the white clad people. And uh, I haven't gotten to that part in the book. So really ex- in- interested in knowing um, why I guess that's so important to Koreans. But it said that white was a, a really prevalent uh, color for humboks in the 19th century. So looking ahead to digging into some of that uh, quote unquote more recent or just different type of history. So yeah. Anyways, that was a brief discussion, briefish discussion on the Korean flag, the Teguki, um, More, which means know. I should say Teguki means supreme ultimate flag, which is just like <laughs> so great. <laughs> so I do feel supreme and ultimate when I see it. I mean, yeah. I I don't obviously know a bunch of flags, but the Korean flag is one of my favorite simply from a design standpoint. I think it is really powerful and great, and the American flag is fine. Honestly, I preferred the original one with the 13 stars in a circle as opposed to the 50 ones now. So hot take. I think we should go back to that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's move on to where we cancel Patrick. Uh, uh, and yeah. <laughs> Patrick leaves. We sit down. Nathan and I sit down with Amy <laughs> and get into this interview. Um, and Patrick doesn't come back ever again. But uh Yep, that you know, it is what it is. Life, life happens, <laughs> and uh, you got him yeah. for for the intro. Yeah, so on to the interview. Here we go. Roll the tape. Da, 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 da. 
What is up, everyone? That is the sound of me, KJ, celebrating that he got his second Hello Korea box. Let me tell you, it is fantastic, okay? I got this little head scrunchie that keeps my very long hair out of my face when I'm washing my face, JK. But if I did have long hair, it would be amazing. We got new face masks. We got, this time not stationary, but a whole journal. We got more pens. We got a bracelet from BTS Army. Guys, this box is incredible. So, if you want to pick up your very own Hello Korea box, feel closer to Korean culture, get products from food to K-beauty to K-pop, then please go to HelloKoreaBox.com and use the promo code JUMPSY15 to get 15% off of your order that goes to support Hello Korea Box, goes to support the show. It is just supporting people all around, supporting two of your new favorite brands. Well, one of your old favorite brands and another of your new favorite brands. You decide which one it is. Anyways, HelloKoreaBox.com, JUMPSY15 is the code. That's J-A-N-C-H-I-1-5. And you check out to get 15% off of your order. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to the John Chi Show. We are here with very special guest, Amy Finnegan. Amy, how are you doing? Hey, I'm so good. How are you guys? Yeah, great. Doing super good. Uh, Amy is actually so special to the show that Patrick couldn't make it. That's not true. That's not, that's not a direct cause and effect. Uh, Patrick is is here. He's just very silent, and you won't ever hear him during the interview portion. That's also not true. He just couldn't make the show, but we're powering on without him. So, anyways, uh, yeah, he was just he was just so uh, flustered. He's like, I don't know that I can do this one. So he's to, just gonna have to listen to the episode like everyone else. No, actually, he and Nathan got in a fist fight, and I decided to bench him for this a one. Virtual so. fist fight. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was it was, it was really nuts. Uh, anyway, sorry, um, Amy. Let's kick off this like we kick off all of our interviews with our guests. Um, Will you tell us a little bit about your adoption? Yes, definitely. So um, I actually just looked at my records and report um, a couple days ago, but I was born in Busan, South Korea in 1985. (laughs) And um, then I was was sent to the Seoul foster home. Um, I was there for a few months and then I was adopted at four months um, and... I know a little information about my birth parents, not a whole lot. I know the ages of my birth mom and dad. My birth mom was 19, um, and I believe she worked as a factory hand. And then my birth father was 20, and he was in the Korean military. Um, and when I was reading through my records, it it said basically that I was an unplanned baby, and then they relinquished um, their parental rights. So one, one thing, though, that I've always found really interesting is that... Um, in my records, it says that my birth mom actually named me, which I know is a bit rare for birth moms to do. So she named me Song Me, and um, I hear it either means beautiful flower or beautiful tree, one of those meetings. But um, I, I've kind of always held on to that, um, and I just think that, um, it, I don't know, it just means so much to me that she took the time to actually name me. And I think it just goes to show that you know, it's obviously a very hard decision on her behalf, but I, I never really felt like that growing up. I always had quite a lot of anger and resentment toward my birth mom until I was in my thirties is when I think things started to change for me. So I was adopted on March 17th, 1986. St. Patrick's day is my gotcha day, um, which is interesting because my, my dad is Irish. So we always have a big (laughs) celebration and we do we have Irish food, but we also have Korean food. And then we there's this um, very epic video of me coming off the plane 
And so we always we watch it every single year. Um, and Are you in a giant kind of a green tradition. blanket? <laughs> I am in a green blanket. Really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. I am in a green blanket. <laughs> wow. I mean, it has That's some other intense. colors too, but mostly green. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> no one's pinching anybody today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of interesting. It's kind of serendipitous. Um, so my my mom, she was told by the doctors that she couldn't have any kids. And, um, four years prior to my adoption, she got pregnant with my brother and we all, we call him the miracle child. Um, (laughs) so my parents went through Holt adoption agency, um, which is based in Eugene, Oregon. And, um, so then I arrived on March 17th and I just think it's very serendipitous because my parents found out that they're going to adopt me on my mom's birthday. And also I have two cousins that, um, are also adopted, but from the States and they were adopted both on March 17th as well. So kind of coincidental there. So we have actually, I have an interesting story of my arrival when I, when I came off the plane that I always tease my brother about and it's somewhat true, somewhat not, but I, I don't know why I always tell it like this. So, um, so I came off the plane and immediately my brother comes up to me and wants to say hi, super excited. So he has this rattle and he starts shaking it in my face. And of course, <laughs> I, I'm just, I start crying and wailing and I'm just really upset, obviously. And I was, I had slept the whole flight. And so I was rudely, rudly interrupted. Um, <laughs> so you yeah. were understandably angry. Sure. Yeah. Yes, it's like, ah, some fool right. shaking a thing in my face. Yeah, who is this guy? Um, so he was shaking at my face and then I started crying. And then he looked at my mom and he said, I think we need to take her back. Um, <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> right. Um, and he never lived those words down. Exactly. Never no, he's never down. lived them down. But to be quite honest, so my brother and I, he's four years older than me. We are extremely close um, and have been my whole life. But if you if you know him, um, he did say that, but he didn't mean it in such a crass way. Like he's, he's very, very overprotective, older brother. Um, but he's really been more like a third parent to me in some ways. Um, so I don't know. That's just, it's kind of telling of his personality, but I, I just like to kind of rub that. A bit. Like you did <laughs> yeah. that, you said that. You'll never <laughs> live it down. Interestingly enough, when I was about eight months old, I was actually diagnosed as a hepatitis B carrier. Um, and so for people that don't know what that, that means, basically, um, I have hepatitis B virus in my blood, um, but I don't show any signs of, of being sick or anything like that. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because at a certain point in time, around eight months, my mom became very, very, very ill. And I had actually passed it on to her um, and she became very sick. And that's when we realized that I was a hepatitis B carrier. So... That was around July of 1986 when my mom was diagnosed and my parents immediately called the Holt Adoption Agency and they were just, you know, obviously very upset and explained the situation. And they were upset because they weren't advised to do any blood testing and they were concerned that um, they weren't testing for hepatitis B in Korea at that time either. And so... At that time, Holt had actually offered to send another Korean adoptee to come and live with me and my parents to take care of me. 
because my mom was out of commission for six weeks or so. Very, very ill. So in a sense, very early on, um, my bonding experience was a bit interrupted um, on several occasions, and especially in the first year of my life. So for me, I've always had a lot of issues with attachment and bonding to other people, especially in like romantic relationships. And I, I feel like I've always been a bit afraid to get close to people, um, you know, even on a subconscious level. So I think that that, you know, obviously does have some part to play in that. And um, I didn't even know till recently that there was that Holt had sent somebody out that was actually a Korean adoptee to take care of me for those for those six weeks. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my origin story background. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, of course. you stayed in Oregon this entire time. I have not. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so so yeah. So I grew up in uh, a suburb outside of Portland, Oregon, called Whitelin. It's not. It's called Westlin, but <laughs> very very white community. Um, Subtle dig. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as my family life goes, like my my parents are incredible, amazing, very supportive, encouraging. As far as my social life and growing up in Westlin wasn't great. Um, and I was one of two Asians in my school and thinking about this recently, actually the other Asian that was in my school was a male crane adoptee and I, I wanted nothing to do with him. You know, I tried to stay as far away from him as I could. I just wasn't ready to identify with that, with that part of me. I feel like, you know, I was in denial for most of my life, I feel like things changed for me when I turned 30. But growing up in West Lynn, it's also a pretty wealthy community as well. Um, and I was, I was bullied quite a lot um, throughout middle school and high school. Um, and I remember several instances of being bullied and um, like my next door neighbor shouting out, see you later, Brownie, or even in middle school when I would, when I had like my first romantic relationship. And do you guys remember when AOL instant messenger oh, yeah. came out? Yeah. So well, not how... when it came out, I'm a little too young for that, but I definitely okay. was, I, I was definitely on it for wow, sure. I feel very Screen old. name Kang the Fang. So <laughs> I don't remember what my screen name was. I think it was like psychic me 21. Ooh, I can't believe it. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, the first relationship I was in, we, we just, we had a lot of conversations over AOL and some messenger. And I remember when we broke up, he was just typing all these really nasty things. But one thing that really stuck with me is he, he said, you know, like F you slant eyed B I T C H. And I really, really stung. It was the first time that I was like, what, what's, is there something wrong with me? Like what's, what's going on? So I just very vividly remember that particular, you know, situation. And then, you know, in middle school, I was bullied quite a bit by, interestingly enough, males. I was never bullied by females. Um, it was always males and it was mostly over the internet. So I guess that's when that started to happen, obviously, because that stuff was coming out. So I think what that did to me is... I don't think I know that it, it really silenced me. And up until I turned 30, I 
felt like I had no voice at all. And, um, even in my, in my family life. So like I said, I love my family. They're, they're wonderful and amazing, but my brother being who he is, he just, he takes over conversations. And so even growing up at the dinner table, I remember I, I would just be silent. And I remember playing club sports throughout middle school and high school, um, which is something I really love to do. I did volleyball. I also was a horseback rider as well. And I think I was drawn to horses because I didn't like people. Um, they treated me poorly <laughs> and horses are really sensitive and they don't talk back to you. <laughs> um, so I just had this really strong connection to equine creatures, um, from a very young age. But, um, I do remember when I was younger getting bullied a lot and also me not having a voice, like literally not having a voice at all. People would come up to me and say, are you mute? What's, what's wrong with you? Because I, I didn't feel comfortable, not only in my own skin, but I just didn't feel comfortable in general. And, um, I didn't, I didn't trust people. I didn't trust anyone. So that was most of my life. I felt, um, very detached from like the real world and mostly just kind of a ball of emotions, all different emotions, not really happiness, but a lot of, a lot of anger, um, mostly anger, sadness, um, were the primary emotions that I felt growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so jumping to a really hard hitting question, yeah. uh, what style horseback riding did you ride? Were you, were you, did you ride Western or did you ride the other one? It just gave me at the moment. The other one. Yeah. Um, so I've, so I've, I've that, actually, you stand up on top of it. <laughs> um, I've actually ridden all different kinds of disciplines. So, um, I've done English, I've done English. Dressage. That's what it is. I was like, it's not Dressage. Dressage. European, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Which that's is, the dancing um, horses one. It is, yeah. It comes from a military background, but it, <laughs> I know that uh, one. the dancing horses, yeah. I've done jumping. <laughs> I've actually done endurance riding as well, which is just like really long trail rides. So I did a 25 mile endurance ride um, when I was 24, Ooh. I think, which was a huge accomplishment. It was really fun. Um, my legs hurt just thinking about that. So, <laughs> yes, I have super strong, strong legs from, from riding. So, um, but yeah, it was, those are really great memories I had. Um, and I actually started a horse training business. Oh gosh, this is like uh, 10 years ago, I think. Um, and I, at that time I had three horses and I just sold the last horse that I had, um, this last year in the pandemic. So gotcha. it was, yeah, it was sad. Yeah, I, I was made for horseback riding because I'm bow-legged. <laughs> what? <laughs> Your luck. I, that is the first time I've ever heard somebody say I was I made for horseback riding. Oh, that's not what it says for? <laughs> uh, I thought I was genetically meant for, I don't think so. for riding horses because I always have. <laughs> hey, we're going back to that gate thing again where we were talking about it. <laughs> My knees maybe, your gait, maybe your gait is kind of similar to horse's gait. Yeah, know. my knees don't connect, I so it. I always thought that would be great. I've only actually been on a horse twice, so have you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but uh, I always joked that that's that was I was a cowboy because I was raised in Oklahoma. I yeah. joked that I was a, a cowboy at heart, but yeah, that's only rode one <laughs> twice, so I don't think that's true. <laughs> that's really funny. Um, so I'm curious. Okay, so actually jumping back to something that you said. Um, yeah. You said that the only other person that you remember um, growing up who was Asian was also adopted, um, right? And I'm yeah. curious, uh, you said, you know, I wasn't ready to identify myself with that. Um, when when you say identify yourself with, was it uh, the Asian part of it or was it the adopted part of it? 
Good question. I think it was both, but I think it was mainly the Korean part, part okay. of me. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, cause like I said, I, um, my, my mom has blonde hair. Um, and you know, she actually told me when I was very, very young, um, that I would, I think when I was like around three or four, she told me that I would stare at myself in the mirror. Um, and just kind of, you know, examine myself and, and look at my features and try to figure out even at that young of age, like who am I? But, um, when I was in middle school, I started to become really, really self-conscious about how I looked. And I, I hated, I hated all my Asian features, like my, my monolith eyes. That's why my podcast is called the monolith diaries. Cause I want to celebrate it now, but I, I really hated my physical appearance so much. And I would get ready in, in the darkness. I would turn off all the lights and I've always been into makeup, but I couldn't face myself. So I would literally get ready in the dark for many years of my life. Yeah. So tell me, um, take me to the point when, when things changed, what like, you said, like, I mean, this is not to, to shortchange it, but like you do have a whole podcast about it. So people like want to hear it in do. depth about your story. They can yeah. go listen to that, which we'll, we'll talk Definitely. about a little bit later. But, um, I mean, you've got, you've got so many things that, and, and you've alluded to it a little bit, right. That things started to change kind of around when you hit 30. Um, but what was, what was that, that impetus moment where you're like, oh, I need to, either I, whether it was a conscious decision or just like a, you know, a kind of a gradual building point, what was that moment like and what what was going on in your brain? Yeah. I think it all started, um, after high school when I left for college. So I went to Hawaii Pacific university in Oahu and I was there for four years. And that was really, I mean, when I was younger, I went to a Korean, um, adoptee camp for a week, but that was the, really the extent of my exposure. So when I was in Hawaii, it was just like Pandora's box. Like I I had never experienced that kind of diversity ever before. And it was a shock, but it was also like, I was, I felt very accepted by my peers and everyone around me for the first time, which was also a very strange feeling. So I think that kind of spurred, um, that part of me that wanted to connect with my Korean side. Um, but again, my twenties were incredibly rough and I was still just trying to find out my identity as a, as a female, as just, you know, a person in general. But when I was in my twenties, my mid twenties, I was diagnosed with social anxiety and also a premenstrual disorder. Um, and so at that point in time in my life, I was suffering with a lot of mental health issues and again, just a lot of anger and sadness. And I was really, really desperate to, to find peace. So it was rough from, I would say 25 to 30 also was in a really horrible, toxic relationship. Um, that kind of set me back a little bit, but I came back to Portland, um, I think in 2012 and, um, when I entered into my thirties, it was a, it was a game changer. Like I said, I think I realized like I've made it to 30. This is a, this is a milestone, but also I am so unhappy. I'm like really, really, I'm not a happy person. And it was affecting a lot of things in in my life and relationships. And I, I had never had strong relationships before friendships or otherwise. And I really wanted that to change. I mean, I, I think I tried to just stay away from, from people because I thought it was easier. Um, but what I realize now is that it's so special to be able to connect with people. And that's really 
what life is all about, you know, is making those connections and forming those relationships. So right before I entered my thirties or around that time, I, I feel like I just did a whole revamp of my life, like really dove in, really looked deep inside myself. And I was like, I I can't live my life this way anymore. You know? Um, so I changed most everything in my, in my life, to be honest, I started working out every day. I started eating better. I started going to therapy. Um, I started connecting with other Asian Americans, which I had never done before. Um, and then that just kind of opened the door for me from that, from that point forward. And also, you know, this last summer starting my platform for adoptees and then also launching the podcast, um, has really taken me to a whole other level in terms of being open and accepting who I am and, and wanting to share, share that part of me. Yeah. That's right on. Great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. I mean, that, yeah, of course. I think it's a, it's an area that I think a lot of adoptees probably tackle with their own lives where they are unhappy about something. And the only way to change it is to, to change it themselves. And, uh, um, the, that you have that knowledge to do that. And, kind of come out and say, okay, I need to change these things up to, to be happy again, I think is, is great. And, um, you know, a lot of people do it based on, you know, a change in their life, a job, uh, you know, uh, sometimes something sparks it with a bad relationship or, you know, for me with my job changed it for me, I, I quit my job back in 2007. And, and ever since that point, things have just been moving upwards and better and stuff. But the, you know, the job, although not a horrible job, there was just things about it I didn't like. And it wasn't, you know, it was one of those nine to five jobs. I wanted to be more in control. So, um, and so that's great that you did that to, to change yourself. So, um, I had a question. It was specifically more along the lines of, of the Hawaii, Hawaii experience. You were there for Mm -hmm. four years then? I was there for four years. Mm -hmm. Four years, lots of, uh, of Asians, Japanese API. Yeah. yeah, API stuff. I mean it's it's, it's a different yeah. feel. I love Hawaii because I, love I used too, to go yeah. every year and I have a fond a memory of a lot of the thing. But one one funny thing is I never really when I was in Hawaii, I never felt like I still belonged with the Hawaiian Asians. Did you feel that kind of that way as well? Because you'd been raised in Oregon and I was raised in Oklahoma. So again, always around, uh, you know, Caucasians. Yeah. It was interesting. They kind of, I don't know why, but they accepted me as one of their own. Like they, they actually thought I was, a lot of them thought I was Hawaiian cause I'm a little bit tanner. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't know. I felt that's what I mean. Like I, I just, I just felt so so accepted in, in that space and in that community. Um, it really has a special place in my heart. And I, I went back, oh gosh, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, but it's totally changed now. Um, but the whole college experience for me was, was a really, really positive, great experience for me. I mean, compared to, you know, high school and (laughs) yeah yeah i i I loved it i love hawaii and and i had a similar feeling when i came to california it's just all of a sudden just you know diversity everywhere uh you you have more things to relate to more people to talk to about certain things it it, uh, definitely opened my eyes a lot to the the asian um diaspora and everything so yeah well and i think being able to see yourself reflected and, you know, like visually see yourself reflected in other people, you know, um, whether that's in person or in photos or in real life, like that's a really powerful thing. And oftentimes, uh, I, from the stories that I've heard, I feel like we adopt the uh, transracially adopted 
adoptees uh, don't usually have that that same kind of reflection, especially if we're Asians, you know, adopted into America. Uh, it's funny, you know, I was going to make a joke. This is true. Uh, but the joke is I always think of mosquitoes whenever I hear Hawaii because of Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> um but I realized, so I made this joke in my head. I was like, maybe I don't say it. But I was like, why? Why do I think about Lilo and Stitch? Like, I probably haven't talked about Lilo and Stitch at all. And then I started. That's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Hawaii. Well, wow. Yeah, I mean, is is Lilo and Stitch? But I I realized, like, I, I talk about that movie a lot in specifically adoptee and Asian American spaces, and I I think it's because it's set in Hawaii, and that was that was like even like more than Mulan, which I love more as a movie. Uh, Lilo and Stitch gave me representation of specifically Asian American like cartoon characters and people, you know, that mm-hmm. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I can I can get down with this. Like they're definitely American, but like they have this like like Pacific Islander, you know, vibe to it and, and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, and maybe that's why I gravitated to it. Yeah. Anyways, I thought that, that was was interesting. So okay. Amy, you mentioned something briefly about starting your platform, which I'm assuming is your Instagram account, right? Aesthetically Amy, correct. is that? Yes, okay. correct. Mm-hmm. So uh, my first question kind of leading into that, um, which I think was answered by by your story, um, but where did you learn to do makeup for yourself? <laughs> and I guess in the dark, apparently. I was going to say in the dark. <laughs> that's that's like, how good you are, good. apparently. You yeah. can do it in the dark. That's... No, I, I mean, I've always been into makeup, but um, haven't really come into it until the last couple years and um you know just there's so much access with youtube and other platforms out there um but i really wanted wanted it to be specific for asian americans and adoptees as well um i just know for me growing up there was nothing like that i i had no one to look up to when it came to makeup and again i was surrounded by all my white girlfriends and you know we'd we'd go to prom or winter formals and we'd get our makeup done um, professionally. And I just remember I would be so mortified when I would leave because they didn't know how to do it. No, they didn't know how to do my makeup at all. And I would look <laughs> yeah. insane. <laughs> and I, I, there's nothing I could do about it. And my friends didn't know how to do my makeup. I didn't really even know how to, because, you know, I, I didn't know how to work with my features. So that's really, you know, what spurred the the platform and me wanting to do a beauty centric, um, type of thing. Yeah. Right on. My, I wish Patrick was here because I guarantee he has a good makeup story. But uh, in lieu of that, uh, he just seems like that kind of guy. Uh, like You're Patrick right, wearing does. makeup? Or yeah, really yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like Patrick, uh, yeah, applying makeup. Yeah, whatever. I'm sure he has a good makeup story. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But I would just briefly himself. say um, I did theater some in high school. It's kind of like in and out of that. Um, so I wouldn't ever classify myself as a theater kid. But uh, I do remember specifically one show that I was doing. I was very, for whatever reason, I was really excited to have makeup, like stage makeup put on me to help me like, like I felt like uh, maybe because we didn't have like a, like a true costuming department. It was just all on our own. And I I'd have a bad relationship with costumes. I was like, ah, makeup will be the thing that helps me get into character, help me feel like we're doing a show and whatever, not just me delivering lines that I have memorized, you know? Um, and being really depressed because my friends who were like trying to do my makeup, they, I mean, good on them i guess they just quit they didn't like try to like (laughs) ham-fistedly apply makeup to me but um they were like i don't know how to deal with your eyes i don't know (laughs) how to do your makeup yeah um so but i remember just being like kind of let down by that i was like oh that's unfortunate and and that being um i think for me that was a, a 
like one of the first times that I realized that Asians' bodies are different. Um, being physically disabled, I was like, oh, of course my body is different. But like, I think that was just a, a precursor to Asian bodies are different. And then like even moving on to um, other types of skincare or hair products or like haircuts, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I was like, oh yeah, the Asian body is different. Just like the black body is different. Just like, you know, um, but just not even being being aware of that. So, um, so yeah, I'm really excited. I have loved looking through your Instagram feed. You're really, really talented makeup artist oh, thank you. Uh, just like thank from like really subtle things to really like crazy and big and fun experimental kind of you know things like that like it's it really from what i saw like just runs the gamut of like um you i mean really uh, just having fun so uh talk to us about aesthetically amy and um what your your mission is and, and your hope for that platform is yeah that's really what it's all about it's about having fun and for me <clears throat> you know, makeup started out as one thing, but at this point in time, it's really, it's super therapeutic for me. And it is in itself like its own art form. I don't know if you saw, I did for Halloween, 30 days of Halloween makeup, 30 days in a row of, yeah, pretty intense. Um, I think um, that's the makeup. stuff that I was seeing. It yeah. was like, oh, this yeah. is out there. This is very <laughs> yeah. cool. So after that, I was like, no more, never again. It's, yeah. it's not happening. Yeah, that was pretty intense. But as far as my platform goes, I feel like, the, the beauty part is important, but I am kind of trying to move away from that a little bit and focus on on the podcast. Um, and that's really what what I'm passionate about right now is amplifying the adoptee, transracial adoptee story and voice. Um, I just think it, it's so important. And why not if you have a platform to do so? Um, yeah. So that is, is really my, my mission and my goal right now is to get as many stories out there as I possibly can, just like you guys. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you're on your third episode now, and with that third episode, I guess with the intro episodes and stuff too. But mm-hmm. you got uh, big Kevin Creeder on there for uh, from the Empire. How how Ling was Empire. that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's such a sweet guy. Yeah, he's, he's really <laughs> awesome. No, he's great. Um, he kept his shirt on the whole time, so that's uh-huh. that's good. <laughs> Man. <laughs> or not i don't know <laughs> i mean it wouldn't have mattered it's an audio medium yeah. so. <laughs> i just meant for me i don't know <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah he was super cool and i loved hearing his story and I'm, I'm just so thankful that he was available and able to to speak with me and come on the podcast so i hope everyone enjoys it yeah i'm excited yeah i just feel like it's it's been a long time coming. I've, I've had a rough couple last months and a lot of life changes. Um, so I took a a little bit of a break from it. That's why there was kind of a long leg in between the intro episodes to, um, Kevin's episode, but now I am back and ready to go. So yeah. Nice. Well, I'm, I'm just happy that there are platforms like yours and uh, like some of the other guests that we've had on the show that, that are getting the adoptive voice out there and telling stories and, you know, telling about the information that some of us don't even know about because of that, you know, we're, we're, you know, adoptees. We don't really, most of us don't know a whole lot about Korean culture or history or food. And so that's really uh, great that that's out there. And, you know, along with your, your aesthetic, uh, you know, aesthetically Amy, Instagram and things like that. I mean, it's, it's, you have lots of different uh, avenues to express yourself. So that's great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for that. I'm, I'm so curious and I I don't think I've, I listened to like one and a half of your first two episodes, I think. So you might've actually touched on this, but it's funny that you, and you, I know that you bring this up in at least your first episode, but to go from someone who was 
misconceived as a mute to hosting your own podcast. And, and I think, I think what else is interesting is, um, not only that, but, uh, kind of going back to your Instagram account, like for somebody who was getting themselves ready for life in the dark, uh, and not wanting to associate themselves with like their own Asian-ness, um, or, you know, whatever. And then, uh, coming to, having an Instagram account where literally it is your face time and time and time and time and time and time and time time again, you know, I think that that shows such, such great transformation. So what, what else has changed? I mean, obviously you said, you know, like a lot of things have changed and you did a lot of work, but, um, there's a lot of, I think more than just, uh, changing the ways you eat. Like there's been some, some real, uh, soul work, some real, you know, mindset work to get from, um, really those, those formative hardship years, uh, to where you are now. And and so uh-uh. what, what's brought you on that journey? What's been like the most helpful thing to, to get you to where you are? Yeah, what's your oh, secret? <laughs> I'll let you know, right? No, now. Just, just one thing, just one thing. <laughs> yeah. So let me tell you right now, my whole philosophy on life is exposure therapy for myself. Like I'm just going to do it, you know, because that's the sure. only way that I can get past or, or through, through these things, um, these struggles. And that's, that's what I've done. But, um, when I came back to Portland in 2012, I feel like this is definitely one of these defining moments in, in my life. And I, I started working for an Asian fusion restaurant and all the employees there were Korean. And again, one of, one of the first times that I was surrounded by, by Koreans, Koreans, you know what I mean? Um, and so after my stint there, um, the restaurant went out of business and then all of a sudden, so I'd actually, I went to culinary school and I graduated, um, that same year after culinary school. Um, I received an opportunity to purchase that restaurant for $1 and I couldn't, I couldn't pass it up. Um, obviously. So I jumped on that and, um, I feel like that entire experience really propelled me forward to dive into, I mean, obviously exposure therapy at its finest, right? So I ran the restaurant. I was a general manager. I was the face of the restaurant and I had to be, I had to be on all the time. And it was like a 24 seven type of thing. I would never do it again. <laughs> it was terrible. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, if, if what I've seen of running a restaurant from Parks yeah. and Rec is anything to go off of, it does not look great. So as no, much as I would love not, to go to Tom's Bistro. It's not glamorous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, not glamorous, but yeah, I, I learned so many life lessons and I, I really feel that experience has made me who I am um, right now because I had to deal with so many difficult things, so many difficult situations on an on a everyday regular basis. And also just dealing with people just being jerks all the time, you know, or yeah. <laughs> being graceless or just saying stupid things. Um, so that was a huge, huge moment in my life. And that was when I was, that, that was when I was 26, actually. So I was, I was wow. pretty young. Yeah. 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 Uh, sorry. I just was taking that in no, and I was good. like, Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm right. I, there's no Patrick for me to just like throw to for him to <laughs> ask a question. So okay, Patrick, I'm, if you I'm, could I'm, turn your mic on, you yeah. fool. <laughs> Where are you, Patrick? I, I, I was envisioning that entire time though, as I'm, I'm look, thinking about food. Like, you talking <laughs> yeah, about I know what kind of recipes they had and food. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking you know, of Asian fusion, which would have to be my favorite kind of style. So, so, so the, the Asian fusion restaurant, um, I worked at before. And then when I bought the restaurant, I remodeled everything and I turned it into a completely different restaurant. So it wasn't Asian fusion. Oh, okay. And it was a, it was actually American comfort food. Shocker. Um, <laughs> nice. So actually one of the most epic things on our menu was a yak burger that was, Ooh. Um, locally sourced from Bend, Oregon. So huh. that 
we kind of had some interesting things going on. Did you call it the big yak? <laughs> yak the yak, don't come uh, back. No, yeah, I should have. <laughs> sorry, podcasters. <laughs> now I'm You can't be though. apologetic for your jokes. That's what people come for. <laughs> it just went so if far you, over my head that I couldn't even put it down. Oh, you don't even get the bell. Yeah, like, no, if you commit to it, then you just got to go Thanks. for it. You yeah, know? I just got to <laughs> own it. <laughs> but um, right before this, I actually had a big bowl of Jap chai. From mm. H Mart, it was really good. Oh, Chapche, yeah, yeah that stuff day. is baller. You know what I'm We've saying? been mm-hmm. tempting mm-hmm. to actually make it on our show one of these days. Oh, yeah. We, Whoa, we I have not it. committed to making Chapche. No, no, not yet. But I'm, uh, I'm that seems you. very difficult. Uh, no, it's I don't not, know I mean, what no. goes into it's it, noodles. but like, yeah. Okay, you say it's, it's noodles, easy. but like, I've not even made my own Italian style noodles, so <laughs> I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not ready to commit to that kind of lifestyle. Also, we found out that Patrick may or may not be a great cook. We so, did not know that until yeah, today. We gotta, we gotta ease him into it. So we won't burn the house down yet. So it's <laughs> awesome. Um, well, Amy, thank you so much for hanging out with us. All this talk about food means it is probably time for us to switch to our food segment. Yes. So yeah. we're gonna take a brief break, and when we come back, we will be back with some type of berry cream snack from <laughs> Crown. We'll be right back. We are back. Uh, thank you for listening to that interview. Um, we're jumping in with, I was mistaken actually. So when we cut to break, I said a crown snack. Only Amy has a crown snack. Uh, Kate, KJ, like, okay. I'm not going to refer to myself. KJ. Anyways, I, I saw, I looked at my video square and saw my name in the corner and I was like, KJ. And I was like, nope. That's uh, anyways. So only myself and Nathan have, Orion berry snacks. Um, ours is called Hudesu Berry, um, which is Konglish for fresh berry. Amy, what is yours called? Strawberry cream cheese. Nice. That sounds delicious. Uh, I wanted to just say, because actually, so my wife and I got into this at, at some point because um, she she Googled how to, so like the the way to like that Koreans cheer each other on or like say encouragement is like fighting, right? Um, but uh, there's no F sound in, in the Korean alphabet. So uh, the way that I had learned it was quiting with an H. Kind of, yeah, quiting. Um, but she Googled it because she was like, wanted to text it to me for whatever for that day. And she sent back piting which as an american makes more sense to, to substitute with a, a p with an f but i guess whiting and so now the hoise berry uh is the the h and f substitution it doesn't make that much sense to me but that's just how some koreans do it sometimes it makes so, zero sense to me but yes. yeah i don't know but hoise berry i was like reading it slow it, it feels like a game of uh balderdash sometimes when you're reading konglish you're like who they sweet yeah and you're like what does that yeah. say so anyways well, we we critique everything about our desserts typically and sometimes it's the packaging i'm gonna just start right. off with i really don't like that the red berries are on the red print because for the longest it, it took me a while i can't even see that they're berries strawberries. Oh, clashing. Yeah. yeah it just clashes so that's a design i thought it was issue. really nice uh I, Look, I i'm not gonna say it's age prefer it to be somewhere okay, else but i but. think it's still going to be tasty don't get me wrong i'm just <laughs> i would really like to matters. have been yeah i would have liked to have seen more strawberries visible i guess and you it has a little open do you see the open oh, yeah. I do there, see that, yes. okay good sometimes, sometimes i miss sometimes it, miss it. Mm. So. that smells delicious mm. oh it looks like a choco pie but it's like strawberry uh it's i don't like know a, does mine have sesame seeds on it is it like a burger bun no mine doesn't no. All right. Oh, yours looks like okay. So yours is a cookie, 
uh-huh. uh, with like a nice design on Ooh. it. And ours looks okay. like a whoop, whoopie pie, or you know. Are you guys gonna? Are you guys gonna eat the whole thing? Or are you gonna? Are you? Do you separate it? Like, what is your method? No, it's of just whichever whichever up? method is right for the way that you live your life. Patrick okay. just go- gobbles it down usually and eats the whole thing in one bite. Uh, the rest of us kind of nibble. <laughs> mm. Ah, okay, wow. okay. Fresh berry mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not feeling it. <laughs> It's soft, no. like a uh, like the uh, choco pie, mm-hmm. but I feel like mm. it should be cold, right? Do you do mm. you feel? Uh, no. Maybe it's because it's the cream whipped cream part in the middle. Yeah. Like I feel like that's it the part be that I'm not feeling. Yeah, I don't know. Your cookie's good and crunchy though, and the cream cheese too. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. flaky. Or, or it's more like a pound cake, I would say. Yeah, mm. it's like a Nilla wafer that was also very soft. Yeah, well, yeah. I feel like the proportion of yours might be off a little bit. Oh, no. Um, for an hmm. American perspective, yes. But, like, this is pretty standard for okay. uh, Korean mm-hmm. snacks. <sighs> um, dang it. It's got a crumb on my trash I mean, pad. other than the temperature and the... I think it's pretty tasty. Do you mm. do a rating? Like, one to ten? One to five. One to five. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead with your cookie. Your cookie looked pretty good because it has both cream and strawberry in it right so mm-hmm. it just looked like a i don't know like a vanilla oreo yeah like, yeah yep. like a strawberry vanilla oreo or something. Yep. that's pretty good yeah i kind of want to try that one now but well, i have <laughs> a whole box too. of them oh, there you like... go hey oh okay i get it what would you rate nice. your yours as would you eat these again or the whole rest of the box <laughs> i would but um one out of five probably 3.5 3. 3.5 three and a half okay yeah good why okay. only a three and a half? Because strawberry filling is it wouldn't be my go-to, but I think that's okay. just me. So maybe I should be a little more fair and give it a four. Well, was the like was the strawberry filling itself good, or was it like a not yeah. good no, strawberry good. flavor? It's good for for being a strawberry filling. Mm-hmm. No, not, not too <laughs> fake. Okay. Not okay. too. No. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. KJ, I, I could tell you weren't feeling yours already. Yeah. So no. Nah, just so I don't know. It was like I was expecting. Like you can feel it. You know, like the 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 outside. I mm-hmm. want to call them buns because they were like soft buns. So <laughs> the buns, uh, sure, <laughs> they, whatever, man. That's just how it feels to me. Soft buns are fine, you but feel then like your you strawberry go, buns. You, you, you bite through that. it, and then there's like some cream, and it's also not that good. And like, like, okay, here's really the deal. When it. I when I think mixed, be- not mixed berry, sorry, uh, fresh berry. Uh, in my mind, I don't know why I had been thinking mixed berry this whole time, which is the mm. same flavor as my gummy vitamins. Okay. <laughs> this is not that flavor at all. And I was like, well, this is totally unexpected. And then it was just like, yeah, I don't know. Like the, the cream texture itself was good and the flavor was fine once I figured out what it was. But the fact that I just wasn't expecting the right thing, even though we had literally just talked about strawberries on the package. Yeah. It just wasn't there. Uh, I don't feel like it was super strawberry. E as a flavor, um, which is why I asked Amy about yours. Uh, so I am going to give this two strawberries Ooh. out of five. Ooh. Would oh, not yeah. recommend, but I would not be angry if I had to eat these again. <laughs> I'm just <Dang>. saying. Okay. <laughs> KJ is also not a very sweet 
fan. True. So he doesn't typically eat desserts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a very angry fan. I, I would be curious about Sarah's <laughs> rating of that if you had left her any of it. But uh... <laughs> oh shoot, man! I just got in trouble with her today. See? She finally listened to the episode where I said on air, Sarah, I'm not going to save you any because you're here. She texted me. She's like, Why didn't you save me any? I was like, That was like a month ago. Sorry, Sarah. I didn't bring it up sooner. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I liked the the consistency. I liked everything about it. The the cream because it's like a whipped cream type thing i would have liked it if it was cold but that's not their fault um so <laughs> i'm gonna give it i'll give it a three and three fourths and it's not no. a three and three fourths i'm gonna go three fourths yeah i almost like can you give it to four. me as a decimal just so, so three point seven five two i don't know but it's <laughs> okay dude let's let's get a significant figure straight we do two decimal places maximum a little pi pi times two because it's like a little round pie no um but it's yeah it was soft and it was good the flavor was tasty uh i think the only thing holding it back was it was a little maybe too crumbly like the 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 texture of the the cake part of it mm-hmm. the buns as kj called it <laughs> were, were a little too flaky i think uh sponge I think sponge would sponge be how the buns, british say it, the sponge, it sure. yeah i think it was a little if it was a little thicker it would have been better um but i still liked the flavor of it so I, I like I said, it was really close to a four. Three point eight five. Dude, wait, the more you talk about it, you keep going up. It's really funny. I need it with some strawberry milk. <laughs> I just realized that mine is very crumbly and it's all mm. over me. So a, <laughs> I feel like Nathan has like a super sensitive radar for crumble factor because he has small children. So he's like, how much work am I going to have to do after my kids eat this? Exactly. Is that how accurate? Many, yeah. How many ants are going to be in my house mm-hmm. after somebody eats this? And is it going to be all over their face or the furniture? But amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I liked it though. So like I said, oh, I would eat it again. I, I still think choco buys, buys are better though. So all right. Hot takes by Nathan. Yeah. Um, there you go. Patrick, it would definitely pass his one gulp test, yeah. uh, which is the most important test of all. Uh, <laughs> um, Amy, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Where can people find you on the internet? Aesthetically Amy is my IG handle. And then um, the Monolith Diaries on the Anchor app podcast. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for her podcast, look it up on any podcast platform where you find podcasts it's the monolid diaries mm-hmm. maybe with spaces maybe without spaces we'll see, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> if you can't find it then try taking out the spaces and maybe it will be there you could also go to my link in bio on aesthetically amy and it'll direct you there straight you to perfect yeah. that is much easier so mm-hmm. aesthetically amy on ig link in bio for all of the important links that matter um yes thank you so much for hanging out with us again uh, thank like you guys said, so it much. was was yeah. a blast and for sharing your story um we how do we end the show oh yeah you can find um, us yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you, you can find us at john chi show on all of our social pl- i was i was literally like how do i do this you can find us at john chi show at, on all social platforms uh you can send us an email to john chi show at justlikemedia.com. please take a moment and subscribe if you aren't subscribed and leave us a rating slash review on itunes or apple podcasts uh, as that really helps people find us and also lets other people know that we're worth listening to which if you're listening to it then i'm gonna say that you think we are that so uh thank you um you can find us on youtube at john chi show you can support the show at john slash support 
Uh, Nathan, am I forgetting anything? You can find us on Facebook and the After Party. We are uh, available for chatting and the little behind the scenes (laughs) stuff. We're available for friendship. We're friendship, Facebook friendships. (laughs) Yeah, it's mostly food pictures, the occasional Korean holiday. Uh, How do I say this? Sings a Korean cover song. Yes, it's March. Uh, yep. Yeah, my Korean, my whatever next Korean cover song should be out. I don't know. It'll be three of three. It's Future by Red Velvet, as heard on Startup, the K drama. So yeah, you may uh, see me drink some stuff. I don't know. We got all kinds. Of, <laughs> we got all kinds of things going on there. You, it's just the after party. That's what it's for. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me at KJ Relke wherever I want to be found on the internet. You can find my. Uh, professional site at uh, no walk photo on instagram or my personal one which is just n no walk and you can find patrick at the world uh <laughs> in the world patrick in the in world, world. yeah um i know how to do this this is fine <laughs> um you can find him on we're talking clubhouse we're talking emails we're, well actually you can't email them there so patrick in the world on instagram and clubhouse and soundcloud and also just patrick armstrong uh, anywhere else that you want to go looking for him i like Maybe just step out your front door and yell his name and he'll appear. That'd be amazing, actually. <laughs> I should try that. Anyways, uh, I'm going to go try that right now. Uh, and I'll report back to you next week. Until then, Janchi Heyo. Bye. Bye.